Where are the workers? That is the $64,000 question. Welcome to WFSU's Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. Businesses are largely back open, and most would be fully welcoming customers again, except many don't have enough employees. I'm closing in on the $15 an hour for a time and a half. Most of the people in my place make like $1,000 a week, and I can't get workers. Graves Williams is a farmer in Quincy. He estimates he lost about a quarter of his summer crop because he couldn't find enough people to do the work. This summer in June, I I needed 650 people to harvest and package my crop, and I think I had 450. I was missing 200 people. And so we lost a lot of product this summer because people just do not want to work. You You just can't get them. Florida ended extra unemployment assistance from the federal government in late June, hoping to spur more people back into the workforce. That didn't pan out, according to Patrick Mason, a professor of economics at Florida State University. He's also FSU's director of African American Studies. One of the things that the governor and some other politicians were saying, if you cut out the the extra $300 a week benefit that workers were getting unemployed, that will spur people back to work. Well, we have data on that now. That has had zero impact in the states that have done that. He cites research from the University of Massachusetts Amherst and the Economic Policy Institute. If you look at the employment to population ratios, which is a better number than unemployment, that's the probability that someone is actually employed. Those numbers are the same for the states that have cut out the $300 benefit versus the states that didn't. So the only thing that cutting out the $300 a week did was impose hardship on people who are already suffering. Mason says the risk of working in a restaurant or hospitality job right now is pretty high as even vaccinated people are getting sick from COVID-19. It's sort of like the worst of both worlds, where you made people worse off in terms of income. And you didn't really do anything to encourage folks to go back to to work. But if you want to get the workers, you have to do something about the safety and health of the job. Nobody wants a dangerous job. And a dangerous, low-paying job is like the most unattractive of jobs. The public is frustrated, we're frustrated, and we just ask everyone to be kind to one another. Jeff Lupkeman is Senior Vice President of FRLA, the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. It breaks our heart to have a half-full dining room and yet tell people at the front door that there's a 30-minute wait for a table. Well, that 30-minute wait is not due to our anything other than our ability to create the experience that we need to create for our guests. So please be patient with us. Lubkeman says the restaurants and hotels represented by FRLA have been struggling with a significant labor shortage for more than a year. He narrows the cost down to three possibilities. First and foremost, public health concerns. Our workers are no different than our patrons, and there is a segment of them that are just not comfortable coming back into a crowded situation at this point. 
we were starting to see some improvements in the second quarter of this year, but as the Delta variant has um, emerged to be more of a concern, that has uh, given us some headwinds on hiring. Second was, and the economists do not agree on this, but the effects of enhanced unemployment benefits. That went away, and so that really is no longer an issue for debate. And then the last and kind of most difficult one to quantify is a lifestyle choice. We lost some of our teammates to other industries, as uh, certainly as, as the grocery industry um, experienced unprecedented growth over the last year and a half. We lost staff to them. And whether those people come back to us or not uh, remains to be seen. But also a lot of people may have decided that they want to switch gears and focus on a different career path for themselves. Let's talk about restaurants right now. You've got restaurants that have had to tweak their hours because they just don't have enough workers. What can you tell us about some changes that are happening to deal with this? Absolutely. We are seeing unprecedented reactions from industry to unprecedented conditions being presented to them. The members that I talk to on a regular basis cover a spectrum in both food and lodging at all price points, and everyone is experiencing the same thing. So it it really is going to come back to socioeconomic factors. There's no simple fix to this. Our operators are trying everything they can think of from referral bonuses to their existing staff that bring in new folks to retention bonuses for those folks that hire on and stay on for a specified period of time. One operator in a resort market uh, was actually banking a bonus for those new employees to be paid at the end of the season. And that bonus could be over $2,000 for an hourly worker in a four or five month season. So that's significant money. Other things that we are attempting to throw at this problem are enhanced scheduling, better scheduling, more lifestyle concerns. There's a a criticism of the restaurant business that it's a tough business to work in. And that's not an invalid criticism in certain respects. There are operators right now that throughout this pandemic have not experienced labor shortages. And those operators are ones that have figured out how to recruit people, how to create an attractive work environment, how to nurture people, not just for an hourly wage or a part-time job, but rather in a broader holistic sense as a human being. And the operators that focus on that are are the ones that are going to be able to solve this problem for themselves. Yeah. We know that low wages are an issue in the hospitality sector. Is it really as easy as simply raising the hourly wage? Well, there's a two-part response to that. The first is, is that in a simple sense, a labor market is like every other market. It's driven by supply and demand. When a, a supply of an input is in scarce supply, it bids the price of that input up, whether that's a raw commodity or a labor commodity. And so uh, we have seen in this period, certainly for all of 2021 and probably back into the fourth quarter of 2020, that the labor shortage is bidding wages up. Uh, There are very few people in the restaurant business that make minimum wage. Most of those are either first-time workers that bring to us very little, if any, skills and We are then tasked with turning them into productive, capable, effective workers. And for that, there's a a wage trade-off. In most instances, that first-time worker or a worker in a training capacity earns a reduced wage and then has opportunity to exceed that as they become more valuable to the business. In a sheer economic sense, yeah, the scarce supply of labor is going to bid the wages up, and we have absolutely seen that. But we couldn't hire people at minimum wage before the pandemic. 
And so um, figuring out creative ways to compensate our hourly teammates to get them in the door and then keep them is imperative. Now, the second part to that question is the math must work. Our industry is not an industry of Microsoft and Google and giant tech companies that generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit annually per employee. In average, our profit margins are so tight that we're generating somewhere around $6,000 a year in profit per employee. That's a big difference between a half a million for a big tech giant and a small independent food service operator. So at some point, while the economic pressures may bid wages up, the math has to work for the profit and loss statement of an individual business. It just simply can't exceed a certain level or the business no longer becomes viable. Do you think that there could be new business models coming altogether for hotels, for restaurants because of the pandemic? Yeah, um, necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, we have seen some amazing evolution in our industry over the last 18 months. The pivot to off-premise and um, tech platform-driven ordering and delivery has um, probably experienced five years or more of innovation and growth just in this last year and a half. So there remain ideas out there to be discovered on how to remain profitable. The reality, I think, is that when we look back on this time in a year and a half, two years hence, that a lot of innovation will have emerged and taken root and become part of our daily operating environment. But I also think we're going to see a a return to a lot of what people loved about the restaurant and lodging and hospitality industries, which is experience. When kids lives return to normal, schools return to normal. That means band practice, soccer practice, extracurriculars, all the demands on mom and dad's time will return. And there's going to be a night or two, or uh, as we hope, seven nights a week that people would like to dine out. And so as normal social fabric reemerges, normal patronage of restaurants will emerge, I think. And that's true for the lodging side as well. People will always be needed, but If this kind of thing continues, where there is such a big labor shortage in restaurants, for example, do you see more kiosks? Punch this button to get your order into the kitchen instead of a person coming and asking for that. Yes, certainly. The growth in this industry is what has driven the labor shortage. So as more restaurants establish themselves, the need for more staff establishes itself. The pivot to relying on technology to augment what we do had already emerged. You know, tableside payment has been around for at least a decade. That said, uh, robots, kiosks, and tablets are not going to replace that professional server that comes to your table and really builds an experience for you during a special occasion or a business dinner or just mom and dad's date night. So it's going to be a combination of things as we move forward. In part two of Where Are the Workers, we delve more into the potential causes of the labor shortage and hear what Tallahassee Community College is doing to help. Thank you for joining us for the Perpetual Pandemic podcast. For WFSU Public Media, I'm Gina Jordan.